you have your Bibles, you can turn where we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Bye-bye. When they come back, they'll be so sugared up it won't even be. We'll get to send them home, though, at that point, right? So mom and dad have to put up with them. All right, we, we're going to start looking today. I told you we've given a, over the last couple of weeks what we've done is we've looked at a generalization, an overview, a 30,000-foot view of the first four, five, six verses of Ephesians chapter 4, all right? So what we're going to start doing is we're going to start digging into those individually, kind of one by one and looking through them. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to start with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to talk about, for the next three weeks, the one calling that Jesus Christ has on our lives. What I mean by this is this. There's a call to every single one of us to salvation. So that's a universal call that is put out to the world through the presence and the power. Scripture says in a couple of different ways. Through general revelation, what it talks about in Romans chapter 1, Paul says that we ought to be able to see through all of creation, through all the beauty, everything that we've been given, through the vastness of all of creation, meaning when you look up and see the stars and the heavens and the firmaments that's up there, you should be able to know that there's something beyond yourself. It's not an extraterrestrial, it's the Lord God himself. We need to stop looking for, for all of that and start actually looking for God. Because God is the creator of all of this, and he's given this all to, as an example for us to be able just to see generally how he is authority and how he is over and life sustainer to all of us. So there's that general revelation. But then he also speaks to us personally throughout our lives, whether he's using other things, other people, or just the Holy Spirit himself to speak to us. He speaks to those who are in this world to help them to understand that there's something that's greater than themselves. We forget that sometimes. Our job is to take this word that we've been given and then to go out. So there's a call to salvation, but then every single one of us, every single one of us, repeat that, every single one of us is called to serve him. There's no pass for anybody on that. You can't just say, well, we pay the preacher to do that. We pay a staff person to do that. We are to serve the Lord God with all that we've been given. Now, for each one of us, that's something a little bit different. That's what we're going to see over the next few weeks as we study this and we break this down. We've been all created differently, and God has wired us differently. And so he's going to have a different job for us to do or a different calling that's placed on our life for us to do. But we need to understand, and we will see over the first two or three verses here, that we've all been called. There's, it's not an option of whether we get to do things. We're supposed to, as a follower and a true believer of Christ, serve Him. So it's really not an option of whether or not you go to church. It's really not an option of whether or not you tithe. It's really not an option of whether or not you do what's going on. You serve in ministries that are going on in the church which you're involved in, part of the body of Christ. Because you've been gifted in such a way, He's placed you in that environment so that you can inner work in that. There's a connectiveness between us and the Lord and between us and each other. We rely on each other. Did we not see that this week? Now, I want to just praise you guys for how you took care of the families that were in need within our congregation. You guys rose up. You were here. You were here to serve. We, we supplied flowers. You, you got people together. And, and if you didn't actually come and physically serve, a lot of you cooked. Miss Fran, I don't know how in the world did you find time to create what you created this week for Miss Ruth and her family. 
I have no idea. This woman has been in and out of hospitals with other people, serving other people all week, and she still found time to get something here on Friday morning for uh, Ruth's family to be able to serve. Then she had to go to Lawrenceville and all. It is amazing to me. That's what I'm talking about here. We are a part of this. We're in this together. There's a calling this place on our lives. Our call is to serve those. This is what the Scripture says. It says, Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. <coughs> our calling is a journey. He's just been talking about all these different things in chapter 3, about how, how God does things so much beyond what we even think we're even capable of or think that, that's even possible from God. That's God. He does it. It's called a God thing. That's what it's all about. If we're truly living in the Spirit, we see God doing God things. And then he says, therefore, which connects that. He says, therefore, since you live in this environment, you and I are prisoners of the Lord, and I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Our calling is a journey. It's a journey for each of us. The Lord knows the number of our days, but we don't. So we don't know how long. Boy, some days are really long, aren't they? And then sometimes you look back and you go, where did the year go? Where did the decade go? How quickly all this passed. And so there are times when we look at our lives and it seems like it's moving really, really, really slow. Especially if you're waiting at a stoplight or waiting for your lunch or waiting for something else. It's just, just slowly ticking along. But then there's other times it's just passing and passing by. It's a journey. Scripture also describes us as pilgrims. We're pilgrims in this land. We're sojourners. This is not our home. That's why in the Old Testament that the Lord was in a tent. Remember? The tent was where it, what housed the glory of the Lord, and it moved around and followed with his people. This is not where God resides unless we as his body are present in it. It's not in a building. All right, It is in us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And every single one of us is on a move, on a journey. So when we disperse from this place, we're taking the glory of the Lord with us. We gather here together to be encouraged, to be lifted up, and to be given walking instructions of what we're supposed to do to go out and walk in a manner worthy. And so that's what God has called us to. We're on a journey. Walk in a manner. Let's see what it says here in Psalms 1.1. I love this. He says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So there's three things right here. If we want to know the basics of how we're supposed to walk in the manner in which God wants us to walk, there's three things he gives us right here. A blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. How many of you go and ask lost people what you should be doing with your life? That's not the counsel that we need. Do you go online and go to some, somebody that's going to be able to read your future, look at your palm, tell you what's going on? Are you going to go to somebody who you work with whose loss is 400 and ask them what you should do about this, that, or the other? That's not where we should be seeking counsel. We do not get our counsel from those who are separated from God. We get our counsel from God. And then, if we need to ask somebody about a question that we have, you should be asking somebody who's a brother or sister or follower in Christ. Maybe who's experienced some of that, who's gone on that journey in the same path, direction that you've gone, lived through some of the same life experiences of what you're talking about. 
don't go seek out those who are separated to try to find counsel. The second thing he says here is, nor stand in the path of sinners. What does that mean? That means this. We know the difference between dark and light, but we like to live in the shadows. Dark seems like it's fun, doesn't it? Isn't all the cool things going on in the world? You don't have to be responsible. You don't have to react this way. There's not any of the things that people might want you to live up to. There's not a guideline or standard that's been set for you. The light has that, right? The Lord has commandments. The Lord has a direction in which he wants you to go. He says that the gate is narrow and small is the path of the people that narrow is the path that people walk to be on that, right? And so that's what he calls us to. So when we look at that and when we see that and when we know that, it's easier to go down that broad path that leads to destruction. Now, a lot of us are probably going, you know what, I don't like where that's going to take me in the end, but boy, I sure do like being around it. So we're going to go stand around where everybody else is. I think about this. My grandfather used to have a general store. It was set in the middle of a two forks of a road. Back in the day, that's where they all were, right? Before Walmart came along, right? And all this kind of stuff, or a super store, all this. It was just a little corner grocery store. Some of you can remember that. Some of you may have. I grew up in that. And so I'd get off the bus there and stuff like this, and, and I'd go in the door of my grandfather's store, and I can remember it as if it was right from me. He had rows right here, and then in the back was all the freezers and the coolers and stuff like that, a big old thing of hoop cheese. And, man, you could go back there, and you could cut your bologna off of the, off of the big old roll of bologna. You remember stuff like that? You ever do anything? All right. Well, in the front was where all the cookies and the candy and all the drinks were, man. So getting me an RC Cola, dumping my peanuts in there, I'm getting off the bus. I weighed like 400 pounds. I've told you all this before because of all this. All right, But I'd get off the bus. He'd let me get me an RC Cola or something like that. I'd dump my peanuts in. But when I go in my grandfather's store, over on the right over here was this old gas stove. And there was a bunch of chairs around there. And I can tell you this, with all the love that's with him, no good was ever discussed in those chairs. No good. You guys know that. That was a meeting place, was it not? I'd get off and I was like, what are they doing over there? They're talking about somebody, you know what I mean? They're holding court on something over there. Something was going on. Some great decisions were being made to, that never changed anything in the world, but it was all discussed over there in the corner, all right, around the stove. We don't need that. Our counsel needs to be with each other, uplifting each other up, encouraging each other, all right? We don't need to be sitting around like that. We need to be moving for the Lord. The last thing it says is this, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. We're to be in the world, not of the world. And right now, there's a lot of people that take a lot of shots at us as believers and followers of Christ. We're supposed to do what we can to set an example in this world, but that doesn't mean we need to hang out there. That doesn't mean we need to sit down and have our lives condemned by those who do not believe what we believe. 
Now look, I will say this. We're to be in this world, but not of it. That doesn't mean that evangelically we don't go out and try to do what we can to reach those who are separated from the Lord. But you see what we're saying here? We don't need to get our counsel, and our life does not need to be centered around these type of environments. So we need to walk in a manner. So those directions are given. There's two things. We need to understand our bearings. Our journey is a journey of devotion to the Lord. So when we walk in a manner, then what we're doing is we're trying to orient our life around God, not around other things. 1 John 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 6 says this, The one who says he abides in him ought to himself walk in the same manner as he walked. You know, it's a cop-out today, but it used to be for real. What would Jesus do? There was a time when I was in student ministry and leading students where they wore the wristbands, and they actually tried to think about that. Now it's just kind of become passe. But what would Jesus do? Would Jesus be in this spot? Would Jesus be hanging out here? Would Jesus be doing the things that I'm doing right now? you got to ask yourself these questions. Because why? Because Scripture tells us that we should walk in a manner worthy of the calling of the Lord, and where He would go is where we need to go. Where He wouldn't go is where we don't need to go. Colossians 1.10 says this, So that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Remember, now look, I need you to understand this. If you don't know this, you can just write this down, take a little note. 60% of all the verses that are in Ephesians are some way, shape, form, or fashion reworked, rewritten, have a close similarity or proximity are found in Colossians. 60% of what he writes to the church at Ephesus, he writes to the church at Colossae. So see how similar this sounds. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So there's a little more depth to what is being said right here in that particular verse in Colossians, but the same thing is being applied. So Paul isn't just going to the church at Ephesus and giving them specific instructions. He's telling us the same thing. He's giving general instructions that the Lord has given him through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to pass on to all believers. So Paul wasn't just writing something special to the church at Ephesus. Now remember, the church at Ephesus, he spent the most time. He spent three years of his life in this particular church. This is where he sent Timothy. So when he's writing First and Second Timothy, and he's talking about the people that Timothy is ministering to, he's ministering to the church at Ephesus, where he has left him. So there's a lot that goes into this. And a lot that we need to see. Paul found these people dear. He spent the most time with them out of all of his different missionary journeys and different places that he went. So when he is imploring them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they've been called, it's a deep, deep thing. This is not surface-level stuff. This is something that is to build depth in our lives. The deeper we go, he just got through talking in chapter 3 about being rooted and grounded. we got to be rooted. 
We've got to see these things for what they are. We've got to get our bearing. We've got to understand that this is a journey of devotion, that God has a, not only a calling on our lives, but he has a plan. And we have a responsibility to live up to. There are boundaries. There are things that he wants. There are things that we should not do. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So God not only is calling us to be a servant of Christ, but there's also, when we get this, there's going to be responsibility that's given to us. We're a steward. I've lost both my grandparents and my parents. So in my particular family line of hunters, I'm it. That's pretty scary, isn't it? It's pretty scary to think that Tim is the patriarch of some line of family. Oh, my Lord, pray for those people. But that's what we need to think about and understand is that there is an area of influence. There is an area of responsibility, whether it be our bloodline or something that we talked about in Miss Ruth's funeral on Wednesday. There's two different lines in our lives, and we talked about it uh, at Harold's on Monday. There's a bloodline for us. We're kin to folks. And then there's a lifeline. We are connected in life to a lot of different people. And those connections bring influence. We have people who want to have conversations with us about life. And our job is to, re to pour into them. We have a responsibility of that. Do you ever think that God sent somebody your way to help steward them? To help guide them? To help be there for them? Some of them aren't even kinfolks. You don't even have a responsibility as far as bloodline goes. Brother Vic was talking in Sunday school today about someone who's called him multiple times in the past few weeks. And I, when he was talking the whole time, God is using Vic to be an anchor in this guy's life. He is adrift. Why does he keep calling Vic? You could look on your phone and go, Oh my gosh, such and such is calling. I don't want to have... God is sending them your way. You are a servant of him, and you are a steward of that which he has given you. In whatever shape, form, or fashion that comes to you, whether it be monetarily, whether it be physically, whether it be emotionally, whatever support they need, you're to be there to try to do what God would have you do. That's not enable them. We talked about that a few weeks ago, too. We're not trying to enable anybody. What we're trying to do, though, is to be responsible to the Lord for what he has called us to. And if we can stand before him and know that, then we've, we've done what we've, we're called to do. Walk in a manner. Find your bearing. It's a journey of devotion. The second part of that is worthy of the calling to which you've been called. The second part of this is our ballast. We'll go into this more in the next verse. Our ballast. What is a ballast? You think about that. When you, when you think about a ballast, you think about something that's floating. I, I think of like a cork. What's a cork doing on top of the water? 
It's just sitting there, right? It's bobbing up and down, doing all kinds of different things. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Something hits it, doesn't it? And what, what happens when the fish hits the, the, uh, the line? When it hits the hook? What does it do to that? It takes that cork, what? It takes that cork under, doesn't it? Look, there's a lot of things that happen in our life, and we're just kind of floating along on the top. We're just trying to keep our balance in all of this, and then all of a sudden, something hits us, doesn't it? And we're like that cork, and we just go under. But the natural thing for us is to do what? Pop back up. But sometimes when we're under, it seems like we're going to sink. We are not going to sink. Why? Because the power of God, the relationship of God in our lives. If he has called us to walk with him, he is going to empower us to be able to deal with all of this. Scripture tells us he will not give us anything which we cannot handle. That sure seems like a lie a lot, doesn't it? Lord, I am overwhelmed here, but we know that the Lord does not lie to us. That he is faithful. That he does promise us. And he does tell us how this is going to go. So not only are we on a journey of devotion, we're on a journey of balance. Steady and in control. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 says this, To this end also we pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. Here's another group that Paul is saying what? The exact, almost the exact same thing to. So if he's telling the church at Ephesus and the church at Colossae and the church at Thessalonica, the same things. What do you think he's trying to say to us through the word to Mount Salem Baptist Church this morning? You can't overcome what you're going through right now. Your life is out of balance over here on this. You are sinking. You have been pulled under. But the Lord has called you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. But he has called you to that. He is faithful. He who promised you will get you through that. Your job is not to lay there under the water thinking, I'm drowning. Your job is to be like the cork and what? Get to the top. Get back up there. Regain your balance. Regain control by being in control of yourself. When I say control, that doesn't mean that you're going to take this over from the Lord because he ain't doing a good job for you. What I am saying is, it's called self-control. And it's a fruit of the Spirit of God. You cannot do it in and of yourself. So if you think that you can overcome the physical maladies, or the emotional maladies, or the spiritual issues that you've got in and of yourself, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. Because you're not walking on your own. You're walking where God wants you to walk and how God wants you to walk. And the only way you get there is in Christ Jesus. Paul says this all the time. We're going to see this 
in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Not going to do it in Tim Hunter, in anybody else. Insert your name here. It's not going to happen. It's going to do, it's going to happen in Christ. Proverbs 21 2, and then look at Proverbs 16 2. Pretty much essentially saying the same thing. Every man's way is right in his own eyes. <laughs> and that, that's the world we live in today. That is so the world we live in today. What is truth? Truth is relative. Truth is what's happened to me. Everybody's got a testimony. I, this happened to me, so it must be truth. Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord, what's the heart? Weighs the heart. Proverbs 16, 2. All the ways of man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the what? Motives. So we don't get to choose. Because this is what we would do. God calls us to the hard stuff. We're going to try to find our way out of it, aren't we? I really don't want to do that. Some of you may not have the gift of gab like I do. So a challenge may be for you that you have to go spend time with someone who's in need and actually have a conversation with them. That'd be stepping out of your box. And if God calls you to do that and lays that on your heart, that's what he wants you to do. That for me is easy. The easy thing for you to do is call Tim. Well, Brother Tim, such and such and such and such is needs someone to talk to. Go over there and talk to them. We can't get you to shut up on Sunday morning. Go on over there. Give some of that loving around to somebody else. You see what I'm saying? That's what. Or, you know what? The Lord lays something on your family, but it may fit your wife's spiritual gifts according to you better. So you lay it off on your spouse. may not be what God is calling you to do. I want you to do that. And you think that you've got it done. It's all planned out. It's all taken care of. And in your own eyes, it looks good. But God has weighed your heart. And God is weighing your motives. And if God said for you to do it, He wants who to do it? You to do it. And so if you have not done it, then you will do it again. I'm living testimony. Guaranteed. And I have a witness. Amen, sister? Amen. She's like, how many times are you going to have to do this until you get it right? You cannot get out of it. You cannot get around it. You must go through it. But... Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, because why? Your rod and your staff, you are with me. You are guiding me. You are comforting me. We read that psalm at funerals all the time. It is for us. It is for the living. So 
no matter where he takes you, he is with you. He is on journey with you. He has your back, and he's got your balance. He will keep you upright. Job 31.6 <laughs> Walk out of here today with these words. Let him weigh we, let him weigh me with accurate scales and let God know my integrity. Is that your prayer this morning? That's a scary prayer right there. Lord, weigh me. Know my integrity. Job spent the entirety of the book fighting people that were fighting back against him, telling him that he had screwed up. In fact, there were times where he was trying to defend himself before the Lord because of all that he had lost and all that he had gone through. But only when he came to the realization that it was God and God alone, at the end of the book, does it say that everything was restored back to him. We got to get to the end of ourselves. And when we come to the end of ourselves, then it'll be all about God. That's when God things start happening in our lives. That's what he just told us in chapter 3. I want to see God do God things. I want to be rooted and grounded in love. I want to see things happen beyond my comprehension, beyond my explanation. Well, then you're going to have to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And if we do that, then guess what? The eyes are going to open up. We're studying Ephesians in our Sunday school class. Today our lesson was saying that our eyes of our heart open up. That's the spirit seat. Paul says in chapter 1 of this book, this letter that he wrote, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be opened. That's so spiritually you can see God at work in and around your life. And then you will go be a part of that. That you will see your coworker, your friend, your acquaintance who's calling you out of the blue, asking you advice, seeking your counsel. That your eyes will be opened up in the heart so that you can tell them the right things spiritually, how they should go. Spiritually, what they should do. Relationally, what that means to know the Lord. And to have that as a part of your life. When your children come up and ask you those life questions. When their friends still show up at your house. <laughs> Valerie's not here today, but yesterday she was like, Hey, I'm going to come home and watch the football game with you, Dad. And I was like, okay, that's great. And I'm bringing such and such and such and such with me. We're all going to come home and watch the football game with you, Dad. And I'm like... They're going to sit in this room and chat it up, and I ain't going to be able to watch this football game. That's exactly what I started thinking. Amen? Amen. They're going to come in here and sit down and eat the food that I was going to eat, and then they're going to start chatting it up, and I ain't going to be able to watch any of this game. But she wanted to bring her friends because she knows what that environment's like. And they've been there before. They've eaten my food. They just wanted to come back again. That's what our job is to be. Our house is open and hospitable. That's what he's called us to. He tells us that. 
somebody comes looking for a fish, you can't give them a stone. Feed them. Do what you need to do. We have to be those people, even if it's in the midst of a Georgia football game, and that is sacred time beyond church, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right, the Florida folks, all those people with orange, they just don't get it. <laughs> you don't bleed orange, baby. You bleed what? Red and black. All right. The Lord's had enough of this nonsense. <laughs> Let me close this. Let me close this in prayer. Hey, this is a closing of our service today. If you need someone to talk to, I'll be here. Elizabeth's gone home. She wasn't feeling well. We're going to pray for her. We're going to pray for the others that are around us. But this is the end of our service, all right? So when, when I finish praying, we're dismissed. Don't forget Pam this week. She goes in for her surgery on Friday. She probably won't be in our midst for the next few weeks, so continue to be with them, all right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the depth of the words that you've given to us, Father. You blessed us not with just sacred savings that are in a book. You blessed us with a life relationship that if we will just read it, it has our plan for our lives. Maybe not detailed experientially for us, but detailed enough so that when you speak to us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we'll know what we're supposed to do with it. Father, we come to you now praying to you for all the families of Mount Salem Baptist Church. And that's a lot, Lord. That's more than what shows up here on Sunday mornings. There are a lot of people who are members of this church. We pray for them right now. We pray for their families. In a lot of cases, they're separated from us by space and time. But Father, we pray for them anyway. We pray for them even though they can't be here, even though they're going through life situations which we don't know anything about. Lord, we lift them up to you. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in and around here who we've had an opportunity to minister to this week who are going through loss. We pray for them. Father, we pray for Pam, and, and we pray for the surgeons, and we pray for the whole thing that she will be going through this Friday. We pray for your presence in that room, that you will be there, not only with her, but with everybody in it, whether they know you or not. That you will take care of her. That she will be an example as a patient for you. Father, we pray for those who couldn't be here this morning because they're sick. Because things are going on. We pray for Shirley. We pray for Nelson. We pray for Kaya. Lord, there are things which we cannot heal which we cannot make right. And we pray for your power, your presence, and your will. Lord, we're here this morning, and we have communed with you. Now we need to go out these doors and be an example for your glory. And I pray that we will do that with all that's within us, and that it will start the moment that we set foot out of here, that wherever we go, our attitude and our actions will be an example of Christ Jesus. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the lives that were lived before us, of Harold Orr and Miss Ruth Swamps. May we go out and shine the light like they shine in us. We ask all this now in Christ Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.